Snow would be the easy way out. That softening sky like a sigh of relief at finally being allowed to yield. No dice. We stack twigs for burning in glistening patches, but the rain won't give. So we wait, breeding mood, making music of decline. We sit down in the smell of the past and rise in a light that is already leaving. We ache in secret, memorizing a gloomy line or two of German. When spring comes, we promise to act the fool. Pour, rain, sail, wind, with your cargo of zithers. That was November for Beginners by Rita Dove. This is The Signal Podcast. I'm Kathleen Jones. And I'm Jonah Cole. We're with the audio workshop at the University of King's College School of Journalism. On today's show, we're talking everything November. It's a dark and somber month, but some people consider it one of the best times of the year. We've got a countdown of the best reasons to love the month and an answer to age-old question, how early is too early for Christmas lights? We're also going to hear how November is becoming a month to challenge yourself. All this and more, coming up. Many people hate the month of November. Daylight savings makes the days shorter and darker. Sparse sunlight and cold weather are a surefire recipe for gloom. But for some, the gloom is debilitating. Seasonal affective disorder is a condition many people face during the winter months. It's a depression brought on or worsened by the winter months. I spoke to a local student handling the effects of the disorder. My name is Isaac Cook. Um, I'm a student at St. Mary's University. So I've dealt with um, SAD, SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder, for probably about, my goodness, probably since I was like 10. For me, I started experiencing like um, Seasonal Affective Disorder pretty badly once like December, mid-November hits. In December, like Christmas is always a really rough time. So since I moved out with my family about three years ago, um, during that time, I always try and like go back home for like a week kind of thing. And they keep me like preoccupied. The first thing that usually I and I know other people experience is just like confusion because usually you're like, why am I getting like sad? Like, why is everything starting to upset me? Why am I getting so irritable? As soon as the winter months come and people start to get more upset, there's a lot of misconceptions that it's just like winter blues. Um, but it's actually a lot more severe than that and I, I know there's a lot of people and even myself included like as soon as the winter months come like depression and like suicidal like thoughts and stuff like that increase pretty significantly um, but taking baths and like doing a lot of like self-care like bath bombs like that kind of stuff like it's really good if I could sleep for three months and then not have to deal with like school or anything like that I think I think everyone would be a lot happier. That was Isaac Cook from St. Mary's University. Dr. David Pilon is a professor of psychiatry at Dalhousie University. Depression with a seasonal pattern is no different necessarily than depression um, that might emerge at any other time. Depression in and of itself can be very debilitating. Um, People, when they experience it, uh, truly need um, support and treatment to help uh, to uh, recover from that. And whether depression is experienced in a seasonal pattern or at any other time of year, um, psychological therapies, uh, medication, or other treatments really are what people need to be accessing. Dr. David Pilon is a professor of psychiatry at Dalhousie University. 
Although November is hard for many and often pretty gray for all, there are some reasons for the month to shine. We sent Dorsa to the streets to see what people actually like about November, and we have four to share with you. And we'll be playing them throughout our episode. So, to begin, reason number four why people love November is... The only thing I like about November is Remembrance Day. My family lived in Holland during the war, right at the border of the, the front lines, and at times the line went back and forth, and they were in German territory, and then they were in... Allied territory, and uh, that's my perspective on Remembrance Day. Better stay tuned for the rest of our countdown. Hey, Kathleen, haven't you always wanted to write a novel? Yeah, and you know what? November just seems like the perfect time to be indoors with a project. Um, the National Novel Writing Month, or NaNoWriMo, try to say that a few times quickly, is a yearly challenge issued to writers across the world. Aspiring authors write a 50,000-word novel in one month. The Signal's Rebecca Butler spoke to Jenna McQueen, a two-time challenge participant. She discovered that a November spent writing can pay off in unexpected ways. It was my grad year of high school, and I had to pick a senior project for my English class. And I was like, National Novel Writing Month? Yeah, I'll do that. Let's do a thing. And I did wind up finishing the novel. It's called The Death of Georgia McLeod. I self-published it in 2014. Writing that novel signaled to me that that was something that I was interested in doing. But it was also like, novels aren't your thing. It's not the container for whatever you're doing. And then in third year, decided the day before November started, that I was going to do National Novel Writing Month again. And this time I wrote dramatic text. I would write every day, but it would be monologues and scenes um, to get me writing more dramatically. Reaffirmed that writing plays is what I wanted to do and that I was capable of doing more than one thing. But it really made me confident and made me open to trying new ways of writing and new ways of thinking about writing. And then that kind of snowballed into having the confidence to apply for the school that I currently go to, the National Theatre School of Canada. I was really scared because they only take two playwrights every year. No way I'm going to get in. So I applied and then found out that I got in. I don't think that I could be in the place that I am right now were it not for National Novel Writing Month. It kind of kickstarted me into serious writing and into exploring my own skills as a playwright. That's writer Jenna McLean. So, Jonah, I don't know if you've noticed on social media, but November is becoming a month full of challenges. I have noticed. So actually, um, The Signal's Maya Palacio is beginning her very own. Maya and Sky Dickinson are friends figuring out how to get away with no Netflix in November by breaking bad habits. I see what you did there, Kathleen. Um, the two of them sat down to talk about the first five days of the challenge. Here's Maya. Five days. Five days, oh, so you're going to It's been kind of like a struggle though. Like I just started watching this series like in October called Riverdale, which like I'm sure like everyone's watched. I'm like really late to it. So it's like I've been wanting to like know what happens, but I haven't been able to. I actually had to delete it off my phone, my app, because I was like, I'm going to be tempted to watch this. 
So recently, like, I've been, like, listening to music at, like, all hours of the night. Like, my neighbors probably hate me. I've been listening to music up until, like, 2.30 in the morning. And I've been trying to read just to, like, distract my mind from Netflix. I definitely had to log myself out and, like, clear all my browsing history just in case. Like, I type in an N and get, like, tempted. So I really haven't... It's really hard. It's actually a struggle. Like, I didn't realize how much Netflix, like, became a part of my daily routine. It's like I come home from school late at night and immediately, like, I jump in bed and watch Netflix as, like, a wind-on. No Netflix November is definitely taking a toll, but I do feel like I'm getting my work done faster for my school. Do you feel like there's a difference in schoolwork? Oh, definitely. Like, honestly, sometimes I, I would try to, like, minimize, like, my Netflix screen just so I can, like, watch it in, like, the little corners of my laptop while I'm doing, like, an essay. And, yeah, since I haven't been able to watch it, I've actually been getting stuff done, like, super fast. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside So far, so good, but also tempting, I guess, you could say. Yeah, definitely. I um, I don't know how I'm gonna be like within like the second week of November, but we'll keep trying. <laughs> In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Well, I wish them luck with that one. Uh, don't know if I could do it. Yeah, me either. But cutting it out seems like it could be helpful, hey? I mean, I guess you're right. Well, Kathleen, the next time you think to sign into your Netflix account, maybe try something else like a good book. Whatever, Jonah. (laughs) So switching gears back to our countdown. Oh, yes. So the third reason people love November is... I like November because of the yellow and orange leaves. Simple enough. I have to agree. The leaves do look pretty good right now. Stick around for reasons two and one. Maybe they'll redeem the whole month for you. You never know. So, Jonah, I don't know if you've ever heard of Horse Girls, but they are likely participating in a challenge this month, too. Ah, yes, I have No Stirrups November has become a popular challenge in the equestrian community, I hear. Riders try to ride as much as possible without stirrups. That helps riders gain core and leg muscles while improving their riding position. Carly Churchill stopped by Halifax Junior Bengal Lancers for the story. Angie Holt, uh, head coach and barn manager. I have a love-hate relationship with No Stirrups November because I strongly believe we should be incorporating more No Stirrups work into our regular uh, riding lessons throughout the year. I particularly love it because um, the end of November is certainly the time of year where I see the most improvement in my riders. Are any of you sore after yesterday? We didn't do that much yesterday. Well, sometimes it can be challenging because it uses a lot of leg muscles, but it really like improves your balance and stuff in the end. So then sometimes it can be fun. Like we can do no strips over jumps. It's a little bit challenging, but it's still really fun. That time of year thou mayest in me behold, when yellow leaves or none or few do hang, Upon those boughs which shake against the cold, bare ruined choirs were late the sweet birds sang. In me thou seest the twilight of such day, as after sunset fadeth in the west, which by and by black night doth take away, 
death's second self that seals up all in rest. In me thou seest the glowing of such fire, that on the ashes of his youth doth lie, as the deathbed whereon it must expire, consumed with that which it was nourished by. This thou perceivest, which makes thy love more strong, to love that well which thou must leave ere long. That was Sonnet 73, That Time of Year Thou Mayst in Me Behold, by William Shakespeare. That was Julia Simone Rutgers reading Sonnet 73 by the bard himself, Billy Shakespeare. You're listening to The Signal Podcast. I'm Joe Nicole. And I'm Kathleen Jones. Still to come, we're talking about everyone's favorite November facial hair trend. And we're going to learn a bit about the history of the famous Remembrance Day poppies. Can we go back to November? Take me back to November. Hawaiian shirts in the so we've heard about No Stirrups November, No Netflix November, and NaNoWriMo. Seems like there are a lot of monthly observations November, hey? And that's not all. Robert and Simon found out that there's more going on in November than we originally thought. Hey, Robin. Welcome. So what's up in November? A lot. I found a list of 50 different monthly observations. Now, monthly observations, that's like Breast Cancer Month or Diabetes Awareness Month, but only for November. Some of them, many of them are less serious, Um, anything from Peanut Butter Lovers Month to Aviation Month. I personally was interested in Adopt a Turkey Month. I talked to Siobhan Poole from Cedar Row Farm Sanctuary in Ontario about about what awareness means for her. Places like us show the other side of the turkey and why we don't think you should be eating them. Like I have a turkey here, Dusty Miller, and we've had them five years now. And he's quite the character. He uh, he hates everybody but me. That is devotion. I want a turkey that only likes me. Me too, Kathleen. So is there any sort of theme to these monthly observations? As far as I can tell, the theme is awareness. That's the goal of the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada's Financial Literacy Month. According to Canadian Payroll Association survey, 40% of Canadians feel overwhelmed by debt. I asked Fatuma Tunkara at the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, what is the goal of Financial Literacy Month? To empower Canadians to to know how to better manage their personal finances. Gee, maybe I should look at my own finances. Um, Well, Robin, I really like mismatched socks, and I'm wearing them today, actually. So how can I get mismatched sock month? From what I can tell, you can just make your own. All you have to do is make an announcement. Well, those ones are pretty obscure, but there's one monthly observation you've probably heard of. It's Movember. Right. So that's the month-long challenge for men to change the face of men's health by growing mustaches. Yeah, so Matt Stickland spoke to Halifax Movember County member Mike Malloy. Well, it started in Australia in uh, 2003, um, and then, uh, you know, originally it was was focused on prostate cancer and uh, men's uh, depression. I've always, I've always shaved uh, at the beginning of the month. You know, uh, for the last six months, I've had a beard, and it's, I'm clean shaven now because I, I, I truly believe that that is, 
that is one way to raise awareness. You know, you have a beard for six months, and then suddenly you come into the office, and you know, there's your chin, and people are like, you know, what's going on? You know, why why have you shaved? And you're like, well, you know, I'm doing November again, and they're like, oh yeah, right, that's great. You know, that's really it's good to see you do that. Plus, you know, the whole for me, the whole act of growing my mustache because it is so terrible. Um, just really starts those conversations. I'm Dennis Pothurst. I'm the Interim Executive Director with Prostate Cancer Canada here in Halifax for the Atlantic Region. If we look at, you know, the last 20 or so years, um, you know, I think mortality rates have decreased about 40%. So that's huge. And I think that speaks really to, you know, the partnership with Movember. You know, some men, you know, really need a wake-up call on that as well, that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, men might not necessarily want to do, that they want to book that appointment with their doctor and they want to bring up what's prostate cancer. I think if there's something that we can help them with that, I think that's key. And so I think Movember fits in perfectly with that piece of the puzzle. Between, the partnership between Movember and Prostate Cancer Canada has created grants for research in the fight against prostate cancer. The one problem with Movember, some think mustaches do not always look so great. And that's something that both Dennis and Mike struggle with. But in years past, I had never tried to participate with Movember because I knew that I grow kind of a Sidney Crosby beard where it's patchy. It doesn't look great like his playoff beard. If I, for example, look silly going out in the street with my mustache, uh, one thing it might generate is a conversation. You know, back in those days, I had a had a very small child, and my wife would tell me, "Can you know? Can you at least like wear a, a button or a, a pin or something that that's, <laughs> that says you're?" going for a charity because you look really creepy right now as I would, you know, have to go pick them up from daycare or something like that. Um, so it's always, you know, it's always been something that in the family, you know, dad's growing for November again this year. And so our brave reporter, Matt Stickwin, went to Sailor Bups in Dartmouth to get advice on how to make your mustache look less horrible. I'm Timothy Richard. I'm a barber at Sailor Bups Barbershop in uh, Dartmouth. My road to becoming a barber started because I started getting like well, better haircuts but I also started getting into wet shaving don't be afraid to spend a little bit of money right out of the gate and get yourself a good bowl get yourself a good brush get yourself a good double edge and and be willing to take the time to like put on some pre-shave put on some lather put on a hot towel like hold a hot towel on your face don't feel silly about it. Like, just hold a hot towel on your face. You know what I mean? Nobody's watching you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it feels good. You know what I mean? Curl it. Uh, I mean, there's always mustache wax and stuff like that. Uh, some guys don't really like mustache wax because it was just particular. Sometimes people are a little more particular about stuff. They used to use Suavecito Firm Hold in my mustache to twirl it because uh, I just found it worked better that better than some waxes because waxes stay a little bit malleable and sometimes you could lose your curl or something like that where a uh, stronghold water base will some of the water will evaporate out of it and it'll get harder you know what i mean and uh it would keep the curl like nice and stiff but also every once in a while you know you turn your head and you get a little whiff of your own mustache and it smells pretty good <laughs> say one morning i get distracted and i turn half my mustache into charlie chaplin if i come in here can you fix it absolutely well, I mean, to a certain extent, <laughs> I can shave it off. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, you know what I mean? You, you, we could probably just set you up uh, to kind of like grow it out without it necessarily looking like a, a Charlie, Charlie Chaplin mustache uh, and, and set it up so you can grow it, grow it back out. But 
Yeah, sometimes there's only so much you can do. Sometimes she's got to go. That's Matt Sticklin talking to Timothy Richard at Sailor Bops. And a big thank you to Robin Simon for joining us here in the studio today to talk about November. All right, we know you've been at the edge of your seat, so here it is. The second reason people love November. I like November because Halloween is over. Yeah, enough of that Halloween candy already. There you have it. Only one more to go. You don't want to miss it. The poppy. It's been the official symbol of remembrance of Canadian veterans from as early as 1921. And every November since, Canadians have been repinning and replacing their poppies. Kayla Jefford Moore took a look into how that came to be. In Flanders fields, the poppies blow, between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place, and in the sky, the larks still bravely... We've all heard the poem before, the one that blossomed into poppies, becoming the physical embodiment of remembering and honoring our war veterans. Loved and were loved, and now we lie. But how did we get from John McRae's lines about a pretty little flower marking fallen soldiers to wearing that flower on our chests? We cherish, too, the poppy red that grows on fields where valor led. There's actually another poem involved. Moina Michael, a teacher in the U.S., was inspired by McRae's poem, and she penned her own, called We Shall Keep the Faith. And now the torch and poppy red we wear in honor of our dead. This line inspired yet another person, a French woman named Anna Guerin. She took Michael's idea of wearing the blood-red flower in an act of honor and brought a touch of charity. Guerin sold red poppies made of silk in Great Britain, raising money to support former soldiers and families of those who died during the war. And it was Guerin who convinced the Great War veterans of Canada to use the poppy as a symbol of remembrance in 1921. Nowadays, the poppies we wear are made of plastic, and typically at the end of a small, sharp, uncovered needle, ready to poke you, or flutter off of your unsuspecting lapel at the slightest autumn breeze. Just ask anyone. So far this year, I haven't had to replace it yet. I've lost it once, but I found it on the floor of the car. Um, but it does tend to be an ongoing uh, purchase. It's not that anyone minds repurchasing. However, it is embarrassing if you think you have one and then you arrive somewhere and it's like, I lost my poppy. Every time I go buy a, uh, a box, I put another poppy on because I can't find it. So I, I, I don't know how many times, probably four or five times. That's why it's on my cap, but I don't know how long that'll stay. For me, uh, to me, it's the donation to the Legion anyway. So it, mm-hmm. I don't really worry too much about it. If I have to replace it four or five times, uh, it doesn't bother me. We've been talking about how November brings cold, earlier evenings, darkness, and plenty of rain. Brightening it up with some light seems very appealing. After all, Christmas is just around the corner, haven't you heard? I have, actually. And in fact, I've seen that Christmas lights and decorations are already popping up around town. But I think there's an unwritten rule about when it's okay to put them up. I talked to a few people in Halifax about Christmas decorations. I wanted to know just how early is too early. Absolutely, categorically not before Remembrance Day. Okay. What about for those who don't celebrate Christmas? Do you think it's still applicable? Or? Well, certainly for those that don't celebrate Christmas, then never put them up. That's also awesome. I have no, you know, designs. I just think that Friday, November 11th is, particularly in this town. 
That's strong right. military history. <laughs> it's not just about Christmas. It's about when do you put your poppy on. It's we have Halloween, boom, boom, boom. Um, I see stuff out after Thanksgiving, you know. And, and for those that like to plan ahead, I guess that's a good thing because you get to go out and usually things are a little cheaper at that time of year. It doesn't bother me personally, but I could see where some people would be upset. Absolutely not before November 11th. It's disrespectful. Well, we're finally here, folks. The top reason to love November. I love November, both because my birthday is in November, and I feel like you can also start to feel the world slowing down as you near the end of the year, and it's sort of a nice, peaceful feeling for me. So that wraps up our attempt to redeem November. Feel free to tweet at us. Let us know if we did a good job. But regardless, we've got some more podcasts coming your way over the next five weeks. You can find us on the iTunes podcast app or on our SoundCloud, which is The Signal, a Halifax podcast. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Signal Radio HFX. Thanks for listening. I'm Kathleen Jones. And I'm Jonah Cole. We'll leave you with one last November thought from children's author Cynthia Ryland and her picture book in November. In November, the trees are standing all sticks and bones. Without their leaves, how lovely they are, spreading their arms like dancers. They know it is time to be still. In November, some birds move away and some birds stay. The air is full of goodbyes and well wishes. The birds who are leaving look very serious. No silly spring chirping now. They have long journeys and must watch where they are going. In November, at winter's gate, the stars brittle. The sun is a sometime friend. And the world has tucked her children in with a kiss on their heads till spring. Those are excerpts from In November by Cynthia Ryland.